front of the nations, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 4 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, please open up and follow along with me. How great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to make tithe, to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by moral men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Father, we ask your blessing on uh, the preaching of your word that we would be encouraged and edified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. So we've had uh, we've had a couple of weeks out of Hebrews, haven't we? With uh, with Palm Sunday and Easter, but today we get back to our study through Hebrews. And uh, by way of quick review, then where are we? Well, we're now in chapter seven. We have established so far that Jesus is the Son of God. That is greater than angels. He's greater than Moses which was a big deal to these original readers and hearers. And, uh, and now we've come into this big main section on how Jesus is our ultimate, uh, perfect, and eternal high priest, the only one who can give us access to God, the only one who is able to restore us to right relationship with God the Father. And remember, this has been written to or um, was preached to a group of people who had left the Jewish faith behind and made the switch to following Jesus, to becoming a disciple, which is a follower. And today then we see just how much greater Jesus is than Abraham, than the organization, the structure, and the hierarchy of the Levitical priesthood, and just how great and awesome he uh, truly is. So today we're going to touch on a, a couple of things, and we'll see, is it right to tithe? So before you all leave, stay with me for the next few minutes. Is it right to tithe? Should I give? Some people are nodding. <laughs> what should I give? So that's what we're going to talk about. Those are the questions that we're going to answer. So as really, as is our usual way of doing things, we're going to stick tight to the text in its context to see what it's saying. This is not going to be a springboard for me to tell you how much money you should give every week. It's not to talk about how much we should all give so I can appear on preachers and sneakers, if you've ever seen that on Instagram. Uh, if not, you should look it up. It's quite funny. Because uh, we're really, we're not concerned with 
money too, too much, are we? We're concerned with what these verses say in the context of Hebrews and in the bigger picture in the context of God's word to us, this wonderful redemptive story. So last time, uh, last time we as a body, uh, as a group, last time we were in Hebrews, Carrie laid out for us quite clearly that Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, he who has no genealogy, no earthly father or mother, no beginning of days or end of life, him who resembles the Son of God. There is somebody that comes to mind, isn't there, when we're talking about, we describe somebody like that. And, uh, well, really, really simply, we can talk about, we can think about Jesus, can't we? As, uh, Melchizedek as a type of Jesus, as a preview of Jesus. You know, in fact, where we read uh, that Melchizedek resembles the Son of God, the word in the original language, carries the meaning of a fax. Anybody remember faxes? A few, few people. Uh, if, uh, of a fax, a facsimile. Nowadays we'd say that uh, it's like a scanned, an airdropped copy of something. Or if you're not one of those cool guys with a certain brand of phone, I don't know, whatever you guys do, scan it and, and email it or... I don't know what you do, really. Uh, so this guy, Melchizedek, is a theophany. There's a, big, there's a big word. If you want to take that away, something you've learned today. Maybe Melchizedek is a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. So that's who to bear in mind uh, when we talk about Melchizedek. We, we don't... <laughs> we, uh, who came to the Easter sunrise service on Sunday morning? Yes, you did. Uh, Chris Butt, the outgoing... Um, lost all ability to think. The man who is leaving St. Christopher's Cathedral did a lot of call and response. We don't quite need to go that far, but when I'm talking about Melchizedek, you can think about Jesus. We don't need to do call and response. That's not what we're really about. But when we're talking about Melchizedek and his character and his attributes, you can think Jesus. We don't need to call out. I know that you're with me. Even if stunned silence is the common response, which is fine. So bigger picture than we're talking about the superiority of Melchizedek. Stunned silence. We're talking about the superiority of Melchizedek over the patriarch Abraham and uh, the former way of doing things, this this very structured and hierarchical priestly system. Uh, As I said, we're going to stick tight to the text to see what it's saying because this is what changes our lives, isn't it? The word of God to us, not a message about tithing based on what I think or maybe a few things that I may or may not have read. This is not going to be a springboard to talk about money. Uh, What we are concerned with in this fellowship, in God's church at South Fellowship, is what God's word says to us, not what I think. Nobody comes to church to hear what I think. Nobody who even lives in my house cares that much what I think. Uh, (laughs) We're also not into what popular opinion says, and we'll touch on that a little bit. We're here to see what these verses say in the context of Hebrews and in the bigger picture of God's word to us. So we're going to move through this. We're going to see that simply we're to give our best. Uh, In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses talks about money. And of all the parables that Jesus told, more than half deal with a person and his money. So this topic is unavoidable. So today when we talk about Melchizedek, you can think Jesus. And when we talk about tithing, you can think about giving. In essence, we'll get there, but in essence it's the same thing. Maybe this will challenge you. Maybe this will convict you. 
But in the very least, this will change you because that is what God's word does. It never returns void, always accomplishes its purposes to change our lives. Amen? Very good. So when we faithfully, I was talking about this this morning with two or three people, when we faithfully and systematically work through the word of God, all kind of topics are going to come up. And today there is a, there's a financial element to this. But again, this is not me telling you how much to give. We're just going to faithfully and truthfully look at the text. I think it's really important then that we pray now together for clarity and for there to be no misunderstandings. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to remember that this was written to real people, by real people, inspired by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see the message that you want us to take away from it. Give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to understand, Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we'll read again verses 4 and 5, and we're going to see first that we tithe to those in spiritual leadership as a method of actually giving to Jesus. So, we're in Hebrews 7, and we'll read again verses 4 and 5. See how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. So really quickly then, what is a tithe? It's kind of a funny word. It's not really part of our modern vernacular. What's a tithe? It's a, a tenth. It's a tenth part of the big picture, a tenth of the whole, a tenth of the gross, a tenth of the spoils. It's a tenth of all that God has given you. So we see here that we tithe to those in spiritual leadership as a method of actually giving to Jesus. In verse 4, we see that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, this priest the spiritual authority. And in verse 5, the people tithed to the Levitical priests, the spiritual authority in their life. So ultimately, though, we are tithing to the Lord, not to men and not to people. There is nobody here is actually going to appear on preachers and sneakers. When we give, we give to God. We don't give to men. So we see again Melchizedek's greatness, this strange, mysterious uh, priest king uh, from Salem. Nobody would have disputed how great Abraham was at the time. And I guess if you go down to kids' church, they'd also tell you that Father Abraham is great, and he had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Some people have grown up with kids' church Sunday. So <laughs> Jewish people of the day saw him as the father of Israel, our father Abraham. Christians, believers, we see him as the father of all who believe. We pick that up in, uh, in Romans in particular. Hebrews calls him the patriarch, the head of the family, the leader, the example setter. And how true of that is the culture that we all live in here the patriarch of the family sets the tone, sets the example, and what dad does, we do in this culture. So Abraham is used as an example of giving his best to the Lord. And verse 5 shows us that even though the priests are the same as the brothers and sisters, we read, uh, these also are descended from Abraham, 
This is how the law told them to do things. You should do it like this. Now, are we still now under law? No, we are under grace. And again, if you've been reading our uh, daily devotional through Romans, and we've talked about this, we are not under law, we are under grace. So does that mean that we should no longer give to God, no longer give God our best, no longer give, give back to Jesus the best part of what he has given us? No, absolutely not. The law told these people at this time they should pay tithes to the Levites, the priests. Or, or did, did it really? If we read about this in Numbers, I'm going to read you a verse from Numbers chapter 18. that says, For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So did you catch that in there? The tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord. So first and foremost then, even in the law, a tithe, an offering, a, your giving is to God first and foremost. People who paid tithes in the Old Testament and the priests who received them were brothers. Maybe your Bible says brothers and sisters. It's the same. We're all, they're all on this same level descended from the same family. The priests receiving tithes were not superior to the people paying tithes, unlike Melchizedek, or Jesus, uh, and Abraham. He didn't receive tithes from any special commandment in the law, but just because he is inherently superior, just naturally better. So Abraham's spontaneous action shows Melchizedek's superiority. He freely gave, he freely did it, because he recognized that this man is just so much better. And that makes it so much greater than doing something that you've got to do because it's written down somewhere. And there's a, there's a, see the, the difference between the priests and what they took and what Abraham gave them. The, the priests received tithes as a commandment. Even so, we saw in there that it's going to the Lord. Abraham voluntarily gave to Melchizedek. He gave freely, and he gave willingly, and he gave his best. We read he gave from his spoils. Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. That's a, a great word. We don't really use it too often now, do we? we don't, you know, when it's payday, we don't come home and say, yes, today I received my spoils. But <laughs> maybe we should. It's coming up to the end of the month. Uh, this word spoils carries the meaning of the, 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 the top the top of the heap, the choicest spoils of war. Just your, your, your best. Best, best, best. So then which is greater? Which is giving more? Which is giving your best? Something you're commanded to do or something you give in reverence and in love, in awe because you want to. Abraham's giving to Melchizedek is so much greater than, than Israel's payment of tithes. Even the way you say that, his giving is greater than the payment of tithes. Because he was freely giving his best. Freely giving our best is what Jesus wants from us too. 
For us, we are not under law, are we, as, as we said, as Paul writes in Romans, and yet, yet there are New Testament examples of tithing and giving freely. It's one of the six core building blocks of a proper biblical church service that we see going all the way back to the time of the Bible and the first century church. We've got collective worship. We've done that. Collective prayer. We've done that. Scripture reading. We've done that as well. An exposition of Scripture. Somebody explains and teaches the Word of God. And Lord willing, we're doing that. A free will offering. No compulsion, no law, no minimum amount. You freely give what you want to give to the body. And regular communion. They're the six things that we see in God's Word and in the first century church that make a church service. And a free will offering is in there. So is, is tithing in the New Testament or is it just rephrased as giving generously and then giving freely? Is it a legal requirement of what we do now or is it just a word? For us, is it just a word to describe what's going on? Well, if we, if, if we were told you must give 10% of your gross income, Sounds very, very legalistic, doesn't it? And I would suggest then that the tithing, the 10%, is a solid benchmark, and it, it's more, it's more than a legal requirement. C.S. Lewis said, I do not believe that we can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. And Mother Teresa said, if you give what you do not need, it's not giving. A tithe, then, is a guideline. It's a minimum. It's a, it's a statement of intent. It's a statement of who you believe to be in control. You and your bank balance, you and your, yourself, or oh God, where all this stuff has come from anyway. It's a contribution to the Lord. And what would Jesus say about tithes, about giving? Some people would say, look, I don't believe in tithes. I don't believe in giving. Because that's in the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. You say, well, all right, smarty pants. Uh, that was, a, you know, Jesus came to fulfill certain bits of the law. But, you know, we want to stay friends. So I'm not going to say stuff like that. Jesus fulfilled the law. So I, tithing's in the law. And I'm, so I'm not going to tithe. Abraham was around before the law. He believed and he gave freely because he inherently knew that it was right and good to give to the Lord. Think about this. Tithing and giving precedes the law. It was around before the law. It's talked about in the law and it was seen after the law. So saying Jesus fulfilled the law, tithing's in the law, Therefore, I'm going to keep all of this for me. It's just not. It's just, it's just not right, is it? Tithing precedes the law, was talked about in the law, and was seen after the law. And what did Jesus say about it? What would he say about it? Well, we don't need to wonder. He would say it's important, but equally as important is the big picture of your character. In Matthew 23, 23, we read, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin 
and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So simply, it's both. Give of our resources, but then don't be a clown. Don't give and then go out into the world and be a fool. Don't tithe and then just behave however you like, thinking that because you have given, we're good, because it's not really what it's about, is it? On the other hand, you can't neglect to give and make up for it by being extra nice. It's just not how it works. It's not one or the other. Each, the, the, the giving and the, 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 the Christian godly character is a beautiful expression of the other. The giving, the justice, the mercy, the, faith, the faithfulness, the trust as part of your character, the trust in God who you are giving this to. So we've seen that we give to those in spiritual leadership, but actually... It's just a, a vessel. We're actually giving to God, giving back to God part of what he blessed us with. And we then see, as we get to verses 6, 7, and 8, we see where this goes. Where does our best go? So we'll read again uh, verses 6 to 8. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. It's, it's, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Sometimes you've just got to read this stuff out loud a couple of times and it just clicks. Where then, where does our offering go? To who do we give our best? Verse 6, this man to the Lord, this man who does not have his descent from, from them, from the priestly system, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Abraham gave and Jesus blessed. We need to be really, really careful though not to stray into error. We don't give to receive. It's not a magical thing. You can't stuff our offering bag full of cash and then expect. You can't feel like God owes you something because you've given lots of stuff. It's, it's, we need to be careful not to strain to error. We don't give to receive. We give because, because we should. We give our best and we know, we know deep down that Jesus is continually and always pouring out his grace onto us. There are two sides to this giving coin then that we see in verse 8, don't we? In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. So everyone here in Hebrews paid tithes through the priestly system. And for us, now we give our offering to the church. God's modern day choice of vessel to bless the nations. And nothing is going to derail God's church. Uh, Josh referred to it as the bride of Christ. Nothing will prevent the church from its mission to make disciples of all nations. Because Jesus is head of the church. It's his church. And when we give, we give to his 
ultimate glory. You know, think back to the account of Peter confessing that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the promised rescuer, and Jesus says, yes, you are right. And on this declaration, not on you, man who is going to die, on this declaration that I am the Son of God, I am going to build my church. On the truth that I am, what you said I am, I will build a living body of believers. The church is so dear to Jesus. Again, like Josh said, it's his bride. And you think of all the stuff you do for your wives. How many cups of tea that you make. All the stuff that you do just because you love them. The church is dear to Jesus, and he is head of the, 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 the church, capital C, global church, and he is head of every and uh, each and every individual local expression of the church, small c, like this. He is the head of his church. For me, I'm going to give to his church if I know it's his church. Are you with me? I'm going to give to the church if I know Jesus is head of that church. You can just tell when you go to a church who is really in charge here. Is it Jesus' church or is it not? He received these tithes then, this, this offering, giving from Abraham, the father of this whole thing, the father of the priestly system, the father of all who believe. Here we've got the patriarch then, the, the head of the family, setting an example that, look, yes, this man is worthy of receiving the best 10% of what I've got, the best 10% of everything that I own. So the, the vessel, the recipient of the, on the one hand, may have changed. Abraham gave into the hands of the Lord, did he not? Direct I'm going to give some stuff to Jesus. In Hebrews, they gave to the priests. And for us, we give to the organism that is the church. Are you with me? So the vessel may have changed. One gives straight to Jesus, one gives to a priestly system, and one person gives to the church. But the ultimate recipient has not, nor ever will change. Amen? When we give... We give to the Lord. Abraham did this because he knows it's right and good to give to God. And in verse 7 we read, it's beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. All that Jesus has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us, makes him by far the superior. And us, by far the inferior. We cannot... Well, of course we can't. We should never argue that we are blessed by the Lord. And as a thank you, we give back to Him some of what He's blessed us with. Our time, our talents, and our tithes. The principle then shows that Jesus is greater than Abraham. A huge deal to these people coming out of the Jewish faith. Jesus is greater than Abraham because He blessed Abraham and Abraham accepted that blessing. You know, often uh, we finish the service here with a blessing from Numbers chapter 6. It's 
one of something that I would regularly go to. Uh, number 6, 24, 25, 26 says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And you know what? Nobody has ever called me out on saying that. Like, hey, well, you should probably use something else. Because inherently, naturally, without even thinking about it, we know that he is greater than us. And we know it's right for us to give to him. And we know it's right for him to bless us. Because as we read in verse 7 again, it's beyond dispute that the inferior, us, is blessed by the superior, him. So when we finish a service with these words, we know it is right for him to bless us because he is greater than us. Amen? When we give our best, we don't, uh, well, sorry, when we give our best, we give to the one who lives. As we read, one of whom it is testified that he lives. Is that not everything we celebrated last weekend? One of whom it is testified that he lives. So where then, where does our offering go? To one of whom it is testified that he lives. It goes to his work. It goes to his church, it goes to his plans, it goes to his purposes, and it goes to his people. So we give our best to God's chosen vessel to bless the nations and ultimately to the Lord himself, as Abraham did, because it is right to do so. By giving, we are giving back to the Lord and further in his work in the community which we give. Not to buy new sneakers. And this is reinforced and underscored in these last two verses where we see that really at the core it is right and good for us to give to the Lord. All of us, no matter who we are, the roles we have, where we're at in life, all of us. So read again verses 9 and 10 and we'll see that we are giving to the one above all. One might even say that Levi himself who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So we all, all of us, give tithe to the Lord. In verses 9 and 10, we give our best to Jesus. This is an allegorical story to show something, to show everyone even the priests of the Old Testament did this. And it starts with, one might even say. So this is not something that we take super duper literally. This is not a biology lesson about great granddads and how babies are made. This is a story to make a point because ultimately there is one above all to whom it is good and right to give our best to. That is who we pay tithes to. That is who we give a part of our material blessings to. That is who we give time, talent, and tithe to. That's who we are serving. That's who we are expressing gratitude and thanks to, the one above all. And these last two verses are just one final piece of evidence that shows the superiority, how much greater Melchizedek or Jesus is to the Levitical priests, which we said was this main part of Hebrews, the system that you have come from, 
served a purpose in a particular time, but now look how much greater this new way of doing things is. The argument here then, uh, one might even say, Levi tithed through Abraham, would have, uh, would have carried more weight and force to a Jewish person familiar with this concept of unity of purpose and, and family interest than to, uh, to modern people like us, uh, because our culture emphasizes individuality, doesn't it? It's all about you. You can do it. You, you, you. Uh, we forget, don't we, sometimes that the Bible was written to real people at a real point in time, and their culture and way of thinking might have been different uh, to ours. So the idea then is that neither father nor children are independent of one another. So Levi here is more than an individual. It's not like, well, Levi paid tithes, so what? Levi is, is more than an individual here. He served, or he's serving here in this passage, as a representative of the entire Jewish priesthood. So since then, Levi was Abraham's great-grandson, the biblical thought accepts the idea that within the ancestor is all of his descendants. So therefore, the argument goes, they both, Abraham and Levi, and the system that Levi represents, gave their best to Jesus. So if Levi, a priest, the guy that would receive the tithes, if Levi gave his best to Jesus, it shows even more clearly that Jesus is greater than the old way of doing things and then simply just above all. So we've got to a point then we're now prepared for the conclusion. Jesus himself, this Melchizedek type perfect high priest, is far superior to the then present Levitical priesthood. And for us, well, N.T. Wright said this has a double result. On the one hand, Jesus has made the present temple and all that goes with it redundant. On the other hand, we can put complete confidence and trust in him as the true and lasting high priest. So in these seven verses then, there are listed four evidences of just how much greater Jesus is than the old priesthood, than the old way of doing things. And I would challenge you with the fact that here we've got some evidence that he's greater than a particular old way of doing things, but wherever you're at and wherever you've been, I would confidently say on the authority of God's word, Jesus is greater than that too. So maybe you're not coming out of a, a Jewish background, of a temple, synagogue kind of thing, but wherever you're coming from and wherever you're at on that discipleship journey, whether you're not even on it yet, he is greater than that too. But in terms of the, uh, the particulars, the priesthood way of doing things. Abraham gave him tithes. Jesus blessed Abraham. Jesus has an eternal priesthood. And Levi represents the entire priesthood and that way of doing things. Paid tithes, gave to Jesus. To the original readers then, this showed that Jesus is above every other priest on earth and rightly due tithes, offerings, the best that we can give or that they could give him because it is right and it is good to give to the Lord. We're to give our best. 
So I've used this before, and uh, if you stick around long enough, I'll probably use it again. An example of giving our best or, uh, or not so much. And I can't remember if somebody told me this, if I read it somewhere, or both, I can't remember. Uh, but there was a church, they were packing up uh, boxes and gifts to send to missionaries overseas. So they put out a call to the big family, like, look, we're going to support these people. They're in this country and they're doing this stuff and we're going to send them a box of stuff to let them know that we love them. Bring us some stuff. And uh, one dear old saint brought in a bag of used tea bags and said, well, maybe. I thought that was quite funny. Anyway, but uh, maybe they can make some tea with these old, dirty, dry tea bags. And is that, is that giving our best? Giving your leftovers? Just think if, this is highly unlikely, but possible, if Jesus came to your house and asked you for a cup of tea, would you go to the bin and get him an old tea bag out? Or would you brew up some fresh water and get the best tea bags that you've been saving for all those special occasions? Because I know you've all got tea like that in your houses. You just wouldn't give Jesus your leftovers, would you? We should not give him our leftovers. We give him our best. Amen? So I want to read you a poem, because we're very cultured here. I'll read you a poem about leftovers. Leftovers are such humble things we would not serve to a guest, and yet we serve them to our Lord and Savior who deserves the very best. We give to him leftover time stray minutes here and there leftover cash we give to him such few coins as we can spare we give our youth unto the world to hatred lust and strife then in declining years we give to him the remnant of our life and that's a little bit uncomfortable isn't it because there's some truth in there stray minutes leftover cash Youth to the world. It's a little bit uncomfortable. To the original readers then, this passage showed them that Jesus the Lord is above every other priest on earth and rightly due our tithes, our time, our talent, and our best. It's right and it is good to give to the Lord. And that's what we see for us too. It is right and it is good to give our best to the Lord. So, I want to ask you the question, what are we giving to the Lord? Is it our best or is it what is left? So I'm going to invite the worship team up to play and we're going to spend maybe just a minute in personal prayer. And I'm going to challenge you with two quotes, two things. The first was from Augustine who said, where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where your heart is, there is your happiness. So as we spend just maybe just a minute in personal prayer, I want you to think what makes us happy. And then Martin Luther said, take a look at your own heart and you will soon find out what has stuck to it and where your treasure is. It's easy to determine whether hearing the word of God, living according to it and achieving such a life gives you as much enjoyment and calls forth as much diligence from you 
as does accumulating and saving money and property. And he said that hundreds, hundreds of years ago. So as we spend just a minute in personal prayer, I want us to think, are we giving to dead causes or to the one he lives? What does our giving say about us and what we love, what we trust, and where our heart is? So we'll take a minute just to pray personally, and then I'm going to ask that you raise a holy hand with me in prayer as we close all together. Father, we assemble before you as your church at Sar Fellowship and we freely and willingly acknowledge that Jesus is head of this church. We freely and willingly acknowledge that he is the hero of all we read in your word. We freely and willingly acknowledge that your word to us, the Bible, is about you first and foremost. It's not about us that it's a grand story of your redemptive purposes for us, your love for us. And we pray that you help us to see this and to live in the light of this. We pray you help us to see how great was this man, how great is this man, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you gave your best for us. You help us to, and help us to give our best for you. Father, we give you our time. We give you our talents. We give you our tithes, Father, our energies, our emotions, our endeavors. We pray that they may all be to your glory. Father, we know that your word never returns void and it always accomplishes its purposes. If this part of your word has challenged us or convicted us. We say thank you for showing us where we are going wrong, where we are straying away from the life that you want us to live, Father. And we know that your word changes lives. And we pray that it takes hold of our lives and helps us down that discipleship path that we are all on, that relationship with our risen Savior Jesus and getting back into right relationship with you. Father, we love you, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you in Jesus' most holy name. Amen.